Uh, welcome along to our Monday expert segments, where today we're looking at a condition which affects a third of all New Zealanders in a variety of ways, whether it's pets, peanuts or pollen. Allergies can range from a little sniffle to something extremely dangerous. Here to tell us all about it today is Allergy New Zealand CEO Mark Dixon. If you've got questions for Mark about allergies, you can text them through to me on 2101. Hi, Mark. Kia ora, Jesse. Nice to talk to you. How did you find yourself in the world of allergies? Uh, about 10 years ago, um, I, I interviewed for the role and uh, joined Allergy New Zealand. Uh, Do you have to have an allergy to join Allergy New no, Zealand? No, you don't, but it helps. <laughs> uh, uh, it's certainly, yeah, we, I'd had a mild form of exposure to it and with my children mm. in the form of eczema and a little bit of asthma, which is not an allergy, but it, they are related. Yeah. Uh, and eczema is now recognised as an early marker for allergies. Mm. But um, probably the, the previous uh, couple of years had... Um, you know, uh, increase my interest in the philanthropic, the impact philanthropic causes um, mm. can have. And uh, because of the experience I'd had with my kids, this one sort of rang some bells for yeah. me. So what is the purpose of Allergy NZ? How is it set up and what was it set up to do? So it was initially set up by clinicians over 40 years ago. Um, and the condition... Uh, um, the symptoms, the management, prevention, etc., was pretty, uh, pretty new then. Mm. Um, and in the early eighties. Uh, yep. So nineteen eighty one, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, so around early eighties, and uh, these clinicians had had exposure to it. Um, the thinking was pretty early in those days, uh, and they approached it from a clinical medical perspective. And as time has evolved, it's become an organisation that's much more about education, uh, advocacy for those who have it, and uh, prevention, yeah. much more about the prevention. So it's it's evolved over time to be what a lot of health charities are, which is about awareness, uh, education, and, and much more into the, especially when there's no cure, as there isn't for allergies, mm. um, it's much more about prevention and practical management so that you can live your life with allergies How are you as funded? normal as possible. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, we don't receive any government funding, so it's all self-funded. So that's a, a big part of my life. Um, I'm not uh, scientifically trained, but um, I come from a business background, so I suppose the funding and the ability to, um, I guess, improve the life of those living with allergies through the activities we do, through the promotions and campaigns we run, uh, the education we do out in the communities. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously you're doing good work, but who <laughs> who is interested in funding? I mean, uh, you know, organisation like that. What's in it for someone who funds? You'd be surprised, actually. Um, we, we've changed from being very much um, focused on the private foundations and um, those sort of funding applications, mm. which is a fifty-fifty exercise at the yeah. end of the day, into looking at. Uh, businesses and companies who are interested huh. in supporting people living with allergies. So yeah. straight away you've got your your people who treat the symptoms yeah. of allergies, so the, the antihistamine uh, pharmaceuticals, um, your food, um, all your food groups who are looking mm-hmm. to uh, provide foods as alternates to those that people are allergic yeah. to. So there's, there's actually, if you start thinking about it, there's a lot, air, air filtration, 
uh, air management within the home. You cannot straight away imagine a couple of names there. Um, and so we've we've managed to, uh, through their generosity, and I guess we're both working in the same area, trying to achieve the same outcomes yeah. for our uh, members and the wider community. So, you know... We'll, t- we'll talk about education today, which is what you're here for, really, but um, you mentioned advocacy too, and one of your goals was to get Pharmac funding of EpiPens. Tell me about that. So right from the right from the beginning, I guess, that was on the horizon for the uh, people who founded the organisation and then the momentum, and certainly when I joined the organisation 10 years ago, that was our biggest uh, goal and to achieve it just before Christmas last year was um, monumental. And it's not just allergy New Zealand. There's an awful lot of people over the years, you can imagine, uh, as there is with all these funding breakthroughs with Pharmac, um, who are involved in advocating yeah. for that funding. So it was a it was a shared celebration. But, um, but it's a been good day? A, oh, hell yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fantastic day. The only disappointment... If there was one, was that it was just buried in just in before Christmas week. So we missed that exposure, but we'll take it. And um, you would know all about it if you were someone who used oh, yes. it. I'm sure. Oh yes, we got you know, and the people who follow our news and the news around allergies are very passionate. Yeah. They live with this every day. So um, you know, the, there was it was a great summer actually for anyone who'd. Uh, work towards that moment, um, there was a lot of recognition that uh, we'd, um, you know, it was our Everest, and uh, there's still a lot of other peaks around Everest, mm-hmm. but uh, it was our big one, and uh, we we're absolutely thrilled, and now we're looking at, um, you know, helping Pharmac to make sure those free EpiPens get to the people who need them. But Kia ora, nice to have you listening today. It's our Monday expert, Mark Dixon, on allergies. And I have so many questions, Mark, so let's get into some of them. Uh, I am wanting to understand, says Grace, why GPs refuse to send children for allergy testing. My grandson has shown symptoms, fairly strong symptoms of allergies to eggs, nuts, and sometimes unknown allergens. He says very bad eczema. And his mum, as a child, was very allergic to many things, including house dust, mites, grass, trees, and eggs. Uh, how do, um, sorry, typo here. Uh, we had her tested, but this does not seem to be a current practice. What's your experience? Are GPs happy to send patients for, for allergy testing? Uh, in our experience, uh, those who are aware of allergies will um, conduct a, what they call a medical history with a patient presenting. Um, thanks for the question, Grace. Sounds like there are some um, strong markers there. I'm unsure, obviously, uh, what was in the mind of the GP, uh, but um, most GPs will uh, conduct a medical history, get the, get a whole lot of data around when it when you first noticed the symptoms or when there was first a reaction, and it's basically collecting clues to form a picture uh, that they can then make a call. Yes, it's worthy of um, sending your child or as an individual t- to get an allergy test. They're not definitive, the allergy tests, so you can get false positives. So you can get um, things coming up in the allergy tests that actually prove to not be true. Uh, and to, to navigate your way through an allergy test, you really need uh, the services of an allergy specialist. So what you'd normally find or what the experience we've been re- you know, um, heard of is that the GP will refer you for an allergy test, but they'll also refer you to an um, allergy specialist 
to unpack uh, what can be quite complex symptoms because there's no cure, because there are other conditions that share some of the symptoms, someone needs to um, be quite specific in, in unpacking your child's experiences and what their reactions have been. Thank you. Peter says, I was diagnosed with a potentially fatal penicillin allergy in my late teens. I'm now approaching 70. I've heard somewhere that this type of allergy can disappear with time. Is this possible? We had someone else asking whether allergies can disappear over time. Any thoughts on this? So with a lot of these conditions, there's still a lot of debate over cause and effect. Obviously, when you don't have a cure, uh, if we if we had if we knew the answers to that, we'd have cures. So um, there is no cure for these for most of these allergic conditions. What we do is treat the symptoms. So I wouldn't be rolling the dice if you found out late in life or early in life that you were allergic to penicillin. Um, with a lot of the drug allergies, we don't find out we're allergic until you actually. Uh, exposed to them Um, and for a lot of us we may never be exposed to the things we're allergic to because of environmental reasons or because we never uh, need to have those drugs Mm. administered to us so um, one I'd you know I wouldn't uh, I'd always assume that you are allergic until you hear from a specialist um, with the knowledge and skills to determine that you aren't Um, but, yeah, we do have children who grow out of egg allergies and cow's milk allergies, not so much the peanut allergies. Uh, and there's still a lot of work and research into why that is. Are allergies on the rise? Yes. Um, there's two reasons for that. Probably we're, we're better doctored, better health managed uh, for some of us than so, we were in the past. So diagnoses are on, on the rise. Correct, mm. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, our, our rather one of the theories uh, is around a hygiene theory yeah. where, um, that you may have heard of that uh, is around everything we're consuming and our behaviour is over the last sort of 20 plus years um, as first world societies, we get cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and cleaner and our food gets uh, more... Um, prepared um, you know the 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 recent um, rise of the raw food um, movement is a strongly positive thing we think for food allergies because it's taking us back to those initial raw elements mm. um, rather than those over processed uh, sort of foods that we are exposed to now so the thinking is to be exposed to as wider uh, range of foods as possible from as young as possible. They actually say from around six months but not before four months uh, in those early years of childhood to to try small amounts of a, as wide a range as possible. That didn't used to be the case quite recently with, you know, probably five years ago, five, six years ago. So when I started at Allergy New Zealand, the advice was avoid. Um, and I might stress too, that's with breastfeeding. It's not instead of breastfeeding, mm. introducing those foods. So uh, we, are, we are seeing evidence that uh, where there has been avoidance in the past, it actually has uh, increased the prevalence of food allergies down okay. the track. Go with peanut butter on toast, eh? Um, I've got plenty here. Um, what's the difference between a food allergy and a food intolerance, asks one person. So the the food allergy is a reaction 
by the immune system to a protein in that food. Um, so the allergens are carried by protein, or for food allergies, the, the allergens are carried by the, the protein in the food. Okay, so the, the immune, our immune system, it's like a piece of bag coding in, in a software app. It's a glitch, if you like. And uh, it's at this stage, uh, we don't, again, have the pathway, the rhyme or reason for that. But we do know that not all of us have the same immune system. And so for those who do react, uh, their immune systems are triggered by this protein, whereas for most of us, it won't be triggered. Mm. And so it's an immune response. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, like um, so many of the uh, problems we have in yeah, modern yeah, society, yeah. Hey? Yep, certainly. So uh, that's an immune, you know, the allergy is an immune response. Yeah. Um, piece of bad coding, whereas <laughs> the intolerance is much more around gluten, so wheat, barley, rye, mm. uh, and it's gluten's exposure to the stomach and intestine lining. So you'll have uh, celiac, for instance, as a celiac disease attacks the tissue of the small intestine, mm. whereas the food intolerance inflames and irritates uh, the area around the Small intestine doesn't actually attack the tissue. Do you count celiac as an allergy? No. No. Okay. No. Um, are allergies genetic? Evidence points to that. Um, there's no, again, no, nothing definitive, uh, but it's certainly one of the questions that is asked by allergy specialists and GPs of history of allergy in the family. Um, but in terms of research trial. Um, they haven't, uh, or the, the specialists, uh, researchers haven't uh, got enough efficacy in the information yeah. to make that make that call. Any other things that might give you a predisposition to have an allergy? So the, uh, I guess the big one is uh, environmental allergies, where you're moving from one environment to another. So, for instance, we're in, in New Zealand. We're big farming nation. It's a big part of our economy, GDP. Uh, and as a result, we cut down a lot of forests and planted a lot of grass. And so we're a pastoral nation, and we know that pollen, smaller, more wind-assisted uh, it is, uh, it can travel and get up your nose and in your mouth. Uh, that the pollen carries protein, and again, there we are, there we are again. Protein carries the allergen, mm. so that's what causes hay fever, etc. So, um, you move to New Zealand from an area. Particularly if you've been up, been brought up in a, uh, a heavily urban area in Asia, um, and you come to New Zealand, we we see a lot of Asian immigrants who have never had a response in their life from airborne from airborne pollen, um, suddenly having crippling uh, symptoms with. Um, pollen here because they're new to their immune system and their immune system hasn't coded a correct response. What are the symptoms you're seeing? So to airborne allergies, um, they're pretty much around the face, the soft tissue of the face, so the eye linings, nose, lips, mouth, you get tingling, uh, itchiness, you get swelling um, in the actual face and and around the eyes um, and uh, in severe cases through the summer, it's a seasonal allergy, the, the pollen um, allergy or airborne allergy, uh, whereas the dust mite allergy, which is also airborne, 
um, is year round because they're they're in our soft furnishings mm-hmm. at, in our homes, which we can go into later. But the the pollen allergy, um, those are the symptoms of the pollen allergy, and unfortunately, they're very similar to those of the common cold, or um, more recently COVID. So, huh. uh, you know, for the uh, allergic rhinitis or hay fever sufferer, uh, that was an added stress point for them because... Coughing and sneezing and having people look look at them up and down and think, yep. Yep. don't want uh, to catch what you've got. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was tricky. And to go into it when people's awareness is low of what hay fever's about, um, it's, it's, it's difficult. A lot of people getting in touch to say that they take antihistamines to help with their allergies. Um, here's one question on that. Is it safe to take them daily as an adult? So there, there's um, histamine is released by the body when it encounters, when um, allergic people encounter these allergens in the proteins of pollen, etc. So uh, the body releases the histamines, they flood the area affected, your face and nose, with fluid that contains um, histamine, and that causes the swelling and the itching and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Antihistamines, um, I guess, address that reaction and try and reduce it. Uh, so it's a more of a short-term mm-hmm. thing. So uh, more long-term antihistamines are called corticosteroids, and they can be delivered nasally or orally, and they take a while to, you know, three to six weeks uh, to build up the resistance, but they do help. They won't cure, and that both of them manage symptoms so that, again, they can't cure. But the daily uh, histamines within arm's reach for people who suffer from hay fever, really important. The box of tissues, equally important. Um, but, uh, yeah, and corticosteroids are the more, they're prescribed treatment um, yeah. under, you know, under management of your specialist or doctor. Other options for people who experience allergies, oral immunotherapy? Yeah, so this is a, a, a treatment that's administered by uh, an allergy spe- specialist or a, clinic, a clinical immunologist specialising in allergies. Um, and the theory behind that is that over a long term, you actually introduce very small trace um, uh, doses of the allergen you're actually uh, allergic to. So, but they're in such micro doses that it doesn't trigger a full reaction. Mm-hmm. And the theory behind it is that you build up resistance yeah. and you train that bit of bad uh-huh. coding in your immune system to recognise it as you don't have to go to DEFCON one. Yeah. You know, it's not. It's not threatening your life. And so over time, and we're talking, uh, you know, years here, um, you can administer it orally through tablet or um, you can squirt it under your tongue. Um, And it's a daily dose in some cases and some treatments um, or a weekly or a monthly dose depending on your sensitivity. The idea is to build your resistance Mm. to it, have the body recognise it, is not a threat, um, and then eventually get the exposure up and increase the exposure to the point where you're not reacting mm. to introduction of that food, and you just take a maintenance dose from then on. Does it tend to work? There's there's uh, there's evidence it does work in some cases. There's good efficacy in some, particularly around peanut trials in the UK and the US. 
Um, and they've had some really encouraging numbers out that's of that. That's great. And so there's a that's really a nasty one, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, and so the the food allergies are the more likely ones, as well as sorry, drug and insect venom, bee stings. Mm. Those are the big ones that can elevate to a more severe form of um, allergic reaction called anaphylaxis, and that gets serious. Yeah, very serious. It's an emergency. Mm-hmm. Um. Speaking of peanut allergies, how accurate are food labels in New Zealand? So the the um, food that's available in New Zealand, the stuff within New Zealand, um, has to comply with our Food Act. And the Food Act came out in 2014, and there were quite a few updates in that, including around labelling. Uh, and there was, a, a, a I guess, a, a lead period before some of the conditions in the Act would apply. One of them was around labelling, and I believe that falls due the 1st of February next year. So there's some new labelling restrictions and guidelines that will come into place that makes it mandatory. At the moment, it's a guideline. Yeah. So it's a voluntary, if you like, on the part of our food manufacturers. And, you know, I guess the the best way to measure how effective our food labelling is is to look at how many food recalls there are due to uh, undeclared food allergens, and there are a lot. So there are still too many in, our, in, our, in Allergy New Zealand's view each year um, that put people at risk unnecessarily. And then you've got... So that's our, our local food manufacturers, um, and then the big risk area is obviously food crossing our borders that come from yeah. countries with different labelling yeah. requirements, different labelling laws or no labelling laws, and how do you police those and what is the requirement. Um, and so that's that can be difficult to find for food importers, but it can also be um, an effort that's not um, taken seriously and does have a very serious impact on those people who are depending on those labels. I'm talking to Mark Dixon, CEO of Allergy New Zealand. Thanks to listener Ronya who suggested this uh, expert topic and Ronya's got back in touch and says, hey, um, I'd love to know more about therapies like own blood injections or bee venom and whether you can access those in Aotearoa. Sounds like some sort of uh, alternative or someone's called them a traditional um, therapy. Have you heard of either of those as being useful? Um, so... What we do as an organisation is uh, support traditional evidence-based research from credible um, publications and uh, clinical bodies. Um, so that's, we're talking probably most of the information we rely on and the evidence we mm-hmm. apply and use are, um, are from first world um countries that have done the research and Mm -hmm. have the resources to do it. Always with, uh, I guess, conditions that are debilitating, um, you're looking, you'll try anything. And I guess the the biggest problem we have is the hope that's raised by Mm -hmm. some of these treatments that don't have evidence behind them, don't have any research behind them, haven't been trialled on any sort of human sample sizes they're lacking in efficacy. Um, and, you know, I think uh, we you know, we often get calls from people who have 
been taken down the road of hair tests, etc. So long answer to a short question, uh, but uh, I, the own blood injections I haven't read and I'm not aware of the research in New Zealand or any allergy specialists within New Zealand who are using that treatment mm. or advocating for that treatment. Uh, I do know there's some international and overseas research and trialling going on with bee venom allergy, which is a... Uh, we talk about insect stings, so there's wasps and all sorts of insect stings. They're usually a very quick reaction, and you have to act and get adrenaline to the patient, mm. into the patient very quickly, um, because those are can be very severe um, reactions. And you won't always know. We've had uh, 70-year-olds having uh, severe reactions to this because they've never been stung in their yeah, life. Gosh. So the first time you get stung is when you learn about whether you have a severe allergy or not. So it's a, it's a bit of Russian roulette. Um, it's best to avoid being stung, obviously. <laughs> but uh, no, the, the short answer is um, no. I, I, allergy New Zealand is an organisation that uh, does not support um, own blood Got a Thank you. I've got a specific one here from Alison, then we'll get back into the general. But Alison says, some years ago, a silver birch tree appeared next to our back fence line and grew rapidly. It's now tall and shedding millions of seeds in spring and leaves in autumn. And over the years, my husband and I have suffered from chronic, uh, I don't know this word, catarrh, and I have severe eye problems. Could you please ask your guest if the silver birch could be responsible? My doctor and ophthalmologist believe it may be. Yeah, birch, um, a birch allergy is a is a common one. We have massive birch um, forests in the South Island, and uh, those birch pollens get up in the stratosphere and can travel extraordinary distances. So we actually get birch pollen in Auckland from those Nelson beech forests, oh. uh, birch forests, um, and uh, it is a very small pollen. Um, and it could well be causing you issues. We have issues in the South Island where council has planted out, uh, you know, curb uh, trees in the in the streets, avenues of Christchurch. They're not, thankfully, so common now. But um, certainly not that long ago, it was a tree that was being planted willingly to beautify the city. And you know, that's one of our campaigns: is councils please look at what you're planting. And a quick Google search to see if they're common allergenic plants. They're not going to be tended. They're not going to be mown. They are going to flower. They are going to cause um, people with aller allergies to those plants greater discomfort all around our highways and byways. So it seems like a some pretty simple step in the process for councils to go, OK, well, let's not have allergy uh, producing plants uh -huh. in our parks along our roadways. Someone's asking about a low histamine diet to help with allergies. Have you heard of such a thing? Uh, I personally haven't. No, I haven't. Um, you mentioned earlier that eczema is a bit of a um, an early indicator of allergies. Can you talk a bit more about that for us? Yeah, so um, there's been some research coming out of the UK specifically where um, there's good evidence that shows that if you can get on top of eczema with little ease, with infants, um, and we had this experience ourselves, and following the treatments that are available for eczema, um, that if you can get on top of it and control the, the eczema in your infant, there's a very strong um, possibility that you can... Uh, reduce the chance that that child will go on to develop allergies huh. and asthma. 
how would you control the eczema? So I'd, I'd uh, follow the advice on our website and that of Kids Health. Um, that's the best thing you can do is uh, there's various um, treatments, ointments that you can use. It's funny that treating the symptoms of eczema would actually get to the root cause and presumably the same thing that would cause the allergy. Yeah, um, it's to do with the skin structure. So if you think of a, a brick wall and there's uh, your skin is a brick wall and there's some areas of your skin or on some individuals, the mortar is missing in that brick wall and the allergen leaks through the skin as the organ and gets in the system and the system responds by flooding, again, flooding that area with fluids and um Histamine drying out the skin, uh, and what you're trying to do with eczema is is control that eczema, control the symptoms so the child doesn't scratch, and break that skin barrier, which is, you know, what does happen on extreme eczema, and you get cracked, dry skin, and infection gets it becomes a wound, um, in extreme cases, and uh, that um, is really important to try and prevent it getting to that cracked skin infection stage. Mm. But are you suggesting that at that point that make, may make an allergy more probable later in life? Yeah, I mean, the, the if, if you do have eczema to the point where the baby's being admitted to hospital <clears throat> or it's severe enough, you will uh, be referred or hopefully be referred by your GP to a specialist for that, for treatment of that condition. Help. Excuse me, Helen asks, could you please ask Mark if allergy covers on kids' bedding is useful for dust mites? Yes. Yes, it is. Helen, was it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, good question, Helen. So um, dust mites are this uh, tiny microscopic organisms that eat dust, hence their name. They're little um, six-legged, so they're insects, mites that live in our soft furnishings. And uh, New Zealand's known as the capital of dust mites allergy in the world um, because dust mites tend to enjoy a sort of about 18 to 24 degrees C and anything over sort of 60% humidity which pretty much describes most of our country so um, they do like that moisture so um, poor homes you know cheap homes poorly mm. insulated homes that are that have moisture in them perfect environment for them and in our beds, obviously, and pillows, uh, they eat dust, so we shed quite a bit of skin in our sleep, and so we're, it's a perfect place for them to dwell and multiply. Um, and what the dust mite cover does, we, we support Mite Guard New Zealand, uh, and their dust mite covers, which the shameless plug, are available on our website. But um, they, pre they present a physical barrier and the mesh on those covers, um, those cotton covers, is small enough, the micron measurement is small enough that dust mite, uh, dust, excretia, remains, can't travel through that barrier from your mattress or your pillow. So if you imagine wrapping your pillow and, and mattress and glad wrap, for instance, it's a similar, obviously it breathes, it, it's a mesh, um, but it prevents that population of dust mites, um, you inhaling that through your sleep and Got waking it. up with stuffed sinuses and full-on um, sort of hay fever, allergic rhinitis in the mornings. 
Anything you wanted to talk about today we haven't got to yet? Uh, lots. Um, I think the, the, the current uh, emphasis that's, um, that we're working towards is the recognition that our support and our education needs to get to everyone um, and certainly as a result of the funding coming through for EpiPens uh, and Kiwis not having to pay for adrenaline auto-injectors anymore, um, it's, it's helped the awareness um, but it's also meant we've looked at uh, whole communities who we've missed um, in the past with, uh, you know, whose um, language is not English uh, and all our support material and collateral has been in English. So we're, uh, we've taken a decision to support and educate all communities on allergies, uh, how to manage them, how to prevent them, um, and we're rolling that to as many of those communities as they can. It was triggered by a piece of research out of Auckland University that identified that Pacifica and Asian and Māori are more than, up to more than three times more likely to present at emergency centres for anaphylaxis or severe allergic reactions. We've joined the dots on that research and, and you know, concluded that it's because of poor awareness, because of poor education that they're treating the emergency centres as their first port of call when they have a severe allergic reaction. Mm. So there's something missing there in those communities and that's our current uh, all our effort and focus is going into reaching more of those communities with all the knowledge and resources that we have. Good for you. What's the website address for your organisation? www.allergy.org.nz Mark Dixon, CEO of Allergy NZ, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Jesse.